Good morning. If we get that chorus up to, as we were singing this song in the back, uh, Lynn reminded me, uh, Elaine Davis, one of the greatest prayer warriors I've ever known. That lady was incredible. We were singing this song, and she was on about pew number three or four over here, and we were live streaming the service that Sunday, and we were literally singing these words. And she had her hands up, if you know Elaine. She's just worshiping God. And she was singing, all my life, let's just say it together, can we? All my life, you have been faithful. All my life, you have been so, so good. The next line, with every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. And she passed out. And she died later that day. One of the last things she was able to say, and we had it on video, which is pretty crazy. All my life, you have been so, so faithful. And she had tough times. But no matter when you visit Elaine, she could be in the hospital literally suffering. Isn't, the, isn't God good, Pastor? I mean, she's always thankful. But anyway, I appreciate Lynn reminding me when we were singing that, it brought me back the last words that she sang, all my life, you have been so, so faithful. Amazing. All right, so we're going to, I appreciate uh, my wife doing that. My wife works the computer, so if I'm ever in trouble, I holler out, Brenda, <laughs> which she always ducks, all right? So anyway, last week, uh, Norm preached on hearing God. What an incredible message and what a relevant message that we need to hear from God. And then on Wednesday nights, he's kind of doing a follow-up to that. And so it'll be on Wednesday nights at 645 in the fellowship hall. And so if you're not, if you don't normally come, you may want to come. We had pretty much a full house. And so I really appreciate his heart. He's got so many incredible life stories and just encouraging us to slow down and to hear what God is saying, so vitally, vitally important. And so during the month of January, we're going to, I think we're going to finish the series on the Holy Spirit. We started back in the summer. I think I could probably go a couple years without taking too much of a breath. But Jesus, before he left, told the disciples, it's actually to your advantage that I go away. For if I go away, I'll send the Spirit. And God had a better plan than walking side by side with us. I used to often say, man, I would give anything to be able to walk with Jesus or to sit on the hillside and hear him give the uh, Sermon on the Mount. But, you know, he said it's to your advantage. You know, the disciples, once the Holy Spirit came, the disciples never said, I wish we could go back to the good old days of walking side by side with Jesus. They experience more of God in the presence of the Holy Spirit than they ever experienced walking side by side. So I just want to tell you, we're living in an amazing time. We're living in an incredible time that we get to experience the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. Three questions I want to ask you this morning. First two here, do you want God to use your life in 2023? And do you want to experience God's power in this year? Now, I would have to believe if you bothered coming to church, hopefully everybody here would say, yeah, I, I want God to use my life. I, wa I want to experience the power of God. I believe all of us from our heart would say that. 
And by the way, no matter how old you are, I, sometimes I, I kind of smile when I run into an older person. They say, I'm going I'm to let the younger bucks do it. I've served my time. No! If God has given you breath, you're on the journey. You're on the docket. He wants to use you. I think about Elaine, unto her last breath, she was singing, all my life he's been faithful. I hope you never quit serving God, ever. The Bible says it's the older that should be leading the charge. We should be telling the young people, God is faithful. Hang in there. Stay with it. He's faithful. So I, in 2023, so don't be thinking, boy, it's going to be kind of interesting to see how God uses the young people. Now, it's going to be fun to see how God uses us old people, in my opinion. Maybe. Question here, my third question, how many apples are in a single apple seed? Last night, I, I pulled an apple apart. I was kind of disappointed. At first, I thought, there's, there's no seeds in this. I found two. I had to dig. I found two seeds. How many apples are in an apple seed? Well, if you put it up on a shelf, there would be no apples. But if you're willing to bury that apple seed, if you're willing to allow that apple seed to die, it'll produce fruit. And Jesus said that in John 12, I think verses 24, 25, right in there. He said, unless the corn of wheat fall on the ground and die, it abides alone. He was talking about his death. But if it's willing to die, it'll bear much fruit. So this morning, I want to talk about being used by God this year. I wish I could say to you that God's going to take us on a mountaintop, and we're going to have goosebumps, and we're going to go from mountaintop to mountaintop. But how many of you know that's, that's not real life? That's not how God uses us, all right? So anyway, let me illustrate as we go back, as we've been talking about the Holy Spirit. I always like to visualize everything. All my life I've been told you need to invite Jesus into your heart. You need to invite Jesus into your life. And even though we say that, I really didn't know what that meant. I didn't know if he just came in, boop, he was in there somewhere. But more accurately, I think he comes to live in our spirit, all right? I think we have a dead spirit before we're saved. Sin has separated us from God. And so when we invite God into our life, I believe his spirit comes to live in our spirit. So I think it happens something like this. And the Bible says, he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit. This is really phenomenal. I mean, the Bible says that his spirit and our spirit become one spirit. So if you are one with God in the spirit realm, and I'm one with God in the spirit realm, can I tell you in the spirit realm, we could not be closer? I mean, we absolutely could not be closer. And that chorus we used to sing, we are one in the spirit, is really true. I mean, we are literally united together in the spirit realm. Now, if we get in the flesh realm, there are some differences. How many of you are surprised when people don't see things the way you see them? How many of you are surprised when people don't always like you? I was surprised. When I was a young pastor, I had, and we only had 26. Only had 26, and one couple didn't like me. I was always shocked until I got real with myself, and then I realized why they didn't like me. But anyway, so obviously it's God's will. Where the Bible says we're a totally new creation. Something radical happens when you invite God into your life because his spirit comes to live in your earth suit. That's pretty radical. And the Bible says we're a new creation. I love what one translation says. We're a new species of being that never existed before. I just want to tell you, when you think of Almighty God coming to live in your earth suit, 
That's pretty amazing. If you haven't had a wow moment talking about the Holy Spirit, it hasn't dawned on you yet. It'll be a wow moment when you realize the God of this universe loved you so much, he wanted to come and take up residence in your earth suit. All right? So it's God's will for him to live from the inside out. God wants us to walk in the Spirit, and literally, we know that He's on board if we're a believer, but we have to get Him out through our hands, our eyes, our mouth. Literally, as we're walking through our day, it's God's will for His Spirit to flow through our life. Well, how does that happen? Jesus said in John 7, another verse that we've looked at, on the last day of the feast, which was the Feast of Tabernacles, if you remember, I believe it was during the water pouring ceremony, that's my personal opinion, as they were pouring out water on the altar and they were celebrating that God had provided water, they were praying for future water, I think Jesus just had a spell. He got so excited as they were thanking God for the physical water. He wanted to say, God's going to give you living water. And the Bible says he stood and cried out because there were tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people there for the feast. And Jesus said, he who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. God was going to provide a source of living water. And the Bible says this he spoke concerning the Spirit whom those believing in him would receive. All right? And so how does the Spirit come out? In order for the Spirit to be released out of our life, there has to be brokenness. You know, this is a sermon, to be honest with you, I wasn't sure I was even going to preach this. I don't naturally like to preach it. I don't like to talk about brokenness. I'd rather talk about mountaintop experiences and goosebumps on goosebumps. But it's a part of life, it's a reality of life that we need to, again, be real about. Watchman Nee has a book called The Release of the Spirit. I'd recommend it if anybody likes to read. And it's, again, about the need of brokenness on the outside so that which is on the inside can come out. It's a pretty simple uh, illustration. Let me use an egg here. How many of you have ever fried an egg, boiled an egg? How many of you have no idea what I'm talking about? You're just not going to raise your hand. All right, very wise most of the time not to raise your hand. But obviously an egg's made up of three parts. It has a shell, has an egg white, has a yolk. And like like us, we're made up of spirit, soul, and body. If we were to use this as an illustration, if the shell was the earth suit, the white was the soul, and the yolk was the spirit. Let me ask you, how does the spirit come out of the body? How do you get the yolk out of the egg? Now, I did actually see someone one time, they stuck a pinhole in the, in the shell, and they literally sucked the egg out. I didn't try that. I was afraid it would work, actually. But I didn't try that. But how does the yolk on the inside come out of an egg? This is real simple. Obviously, the shell has to be broken, correct? And as the shell is broken, that which is on the inside comes out. As a matter of fact, if you want to really get the yolk to come out, throw it against the concrete floor. It'll come everywhere. So when we're praying for God to use us in 2023, I just want to be real with you. Much of how he's going to use every single one of us, I I hope we have some mountaintop experiences, but most of life is in the valleys, the struggles, the storms, because God knows that when we're broken on the outside, the Spirit of God can be released in our life. And it's, it's, again, it's kind of a hard, you say you have a scripture for that. I'm glad you ask. 
All right? So 2 Corinthians chapter 4, as Paul's talking. By the way, if you think about someone who suffered in their life, it was the Apostle Paul. You remember when he got saved in Acts 9, that great story, the Damascus Road experience? And uh, when he got saved, God sent Ananias there. And he said to Ananias, I'm going to show Paul how much he will suffer for my name's sake. You know, when people get saved, and I have the privilege of being around people getting saved, I'm always excited. Woo, man, the Bible says the angels are throwing a party, man. You're a new creation. Woo, that's exciting. But when Paul got saved, God said to him, I'm going to show you how much you're going to suffer. I don't know if that would be the first message I would want to hear. I'm just being honest. But listen to what Paul says, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, as Paul's kind of talking about his ministry. He says, first of all, we have a treasure in these earthen vessels. He describes your body as an earthen vessel. I just want to remind you, we came from dust. We're going back to dust. I call it an earth suit. We're just in an earthen vessel. He said, but you have a treasure in your earthen vessel. God's put his spirit his treasure inside of us. Now, I got to be real with you. I don't know how many here have taken the thing that you treasure the most and put it in a clay pot and bury it out in your yard. Anybody here do that? If you do, let me know where you live. All right? I may want to just go do some mold digging. Now, we wouldn't do that. We wouldn't put our most valuable possession in a clay pot. But Paul says God has put his treasure in these earthen vessels. He goes on to say here, as he's talking about releasing the Spirit, he says four things here I want you to see. First of all, he says, we are hard-pressed on every side. That's the earth suit. I wish we were just hard-pressed on one side or two sides. But Paul said, literally, they are hard-pressed on every side. That's the earth suit. But he says, we are not crushed. That's the Spirit. No matter how much Satan puts against us, he will never destroy the Spirit of God. And then he says, second of all, we are perplexed. That's the earth suit. Have any of you here ever been perplexed about your situation in life? Sometimes people come and talk to me and they tell me about their situation and I'm perplexed for them. I have no idea. But one thing I know, when there seems to be no way, God will make a way. I know that. So he says, we're perplexed, that's the earth suit, but we're not in despair, that's the spirit. Isn't it crazy how no matter how much comes our way, we can still experience the life of God. Thirdly, he says here, we are persecuted, that's the earth suit, but we are not forsaken, that's the spirit. God will never forsake you even though you are persecuted. And fourthly, he says, we are struck down, that's the earth suit, but we are not destroyed, that's the spirit. So he says, man, he talks about everything that he's gone through, and he went through a lot in his his life. But again, the concept is the more he's broken, battered, beaten, pushed, the more of the Spirit of God came out of his life. And he discovered through brokenness that the power of God was being released, and people were being experiencing the power of God through his life. And so the Amplified Bible says it this way, We possess this precious treasure in frail human vessels of earth that the grandeur and the exceeding greatness of the power may be shown to be from God and not from ourselves. I like that. Again, we we live in an earth suit, but God has put his treasure inside of us. And in order to get the treasure on the inside to come out, 
Something has to happen to the earth suit. We have to go through suffering. We have to go through trials. We have to go through some persecution in order for the Spirit to come out. Let me give you an example this way, and I could put thousands of more products up there, but we have something in common with all of these products, all right? How many of you, when you buy a bag of chips, buy the bag of chips because you just like the color of the bag? And nowadays, a lot of people will turn around and they'll read the nutritional value. I never read the nutritional value on chips. I don't. I don't want to feel guilty when I buy it or eat it. But y'all, what do we have in common with all these products? We have this, that that which is of value is on the inside of all of those products. And in order for you to enjoy that which is on the inside, something has to happen to the containers. You either have to twist the top off, you have to pop the bag, open the box. Something has to happen for that which is on the inside to come out. Now I want to tell you in the same way as we, as we have the treasure of God in our life. God uses brokenness. God uses trials. God uses being struck down and being pursued. God uses all of those things that as we're broken on the outside, his spirit is released in our life. I got to be honest with you, I, I would rather talk about mountaintop experiences than talk about suffering. All right? So let's, uh, I, just last night I added this. I, I, my mind's always going. People say, when is your sermon finished? It's usually finished when I got to get up and preach. I know I'm out of time. But last night I just thought about the Christian life. I mean, every day we have detours. How many of you have things come up you weren't planning? Every day you have a detour in your, in your schedule. Every day there's speed bumps. Things don't go like they should. It's, it's a lot rougher than it should have been. Every day we have storms in life. Some of you say, well, my storms are bigger than that. And we'll, we'll get them a little bit bigger here. I mean, every day. But let me tell you this. If you study the life of Paul, every time he had a detour, it was God taking him to somebody that needed Jesus. Every time he had a speed bump, every time he went through a storm, there was somebody watching that as he went through that suffering, they ministered and experienced the presence of God. Wouldn't it be great to get to the point that every time there's a detour in life, we get excited. Woo! I wonder who God's sending me to. Me... On the other hand, sometimes I grumble. Sometimes I complain when everything doesn't go the way I had it planned. But I'm just here to tell you, we're either going to stress out with all the difficulty of life, or we're going to learn to see it from God's perspective and know that he's up to something in our life. I'm telling you, God's desire is to use every single person. And his desire is to allow us to be broken so that the life of God would come out of our life. And so let's go back to what Paul said. First of all, he said, and I look at all these as athletic terms. He says, we are hard-pressed on every side. I wish he wouldn't have said every side. I wish he said, we're just hard-pressed a little bit from one side. How many of you have got up and know that life has you on every side? You're being pressed on every side. I mean, Paul went through some stuff. He says, we're hard-pressed on every side, which means we're troubled and oppressed in every way. That's, that's the earth suit. But notice what he goes on to say, we're not crushed or pinned to the mat. Whew. Can I tell you, Satan cannot pin you to the mat spiritually. Peyton, Satan cannot stop the Spirit of God from flowing through your life. He can't. 
Matter of fact, the more he cracks you, the more life should come out. Satan isn't that smart. If he really was smart, he would quit messing with us. Because the more he messes with us, the more the life of God comes out. And so as he's being pressed to the mat, and, and I wasn't a wrestler in high school. How many of you are surprised by my build? I wasn't a wrestler. But I'd go to a wrestling match, and we're not talking about professional wrestling, which is a, I shouldn't say this. Some of you like watching professional But anyway, it was a real deal here. I mean, you talk about a contact sport. It was this. Sweating on each other, ah, holding each other down. But you know what happens when trouble presses us to the mat? If we're filled with the Spirit, you know what's going to come out? The life of God. I'm just here to tell you that every time we go through a trial, either the flesh is going to come out, which is going to be ugly, or the Spirit of God is going to come out and it's going to minister life. Second thing Paul said is we are perplexed, and that means unable to find a way out. I can't tell you how many people I've talked to, they're literally just up against a brick wall. They see no way out. But I'm here to tell you that God will make a way when there seems to be no way. God will make a way for you when again, runner going through the wall of the line. Those linemen are unbelievably big. I mean, they're about seven, eight foot tall. They weigh about four or 500 pounds. Those guys are monsters. And they always give the ball to the little running back. And I look at him and think to myself, if I was the running back, I'd give the ball to the lineman and go his way. But every once in a while, miracle of miracles, that little skinny guy grabs the ball, he goes into that big old line, and he squirts out. Woo! Go, baby, go! Because I know they can't catch him. They're too big. They can't catch him once he gets through the line. And how many of you notice the guy there that's coming through the lines carrying a Bible? I put a Bible. I added that last night. I tell you, when you, when you want to be used by God and you decide you're going to believe the Word of God, I'm just telling you, you're going to be up against some walls. You're going to face some impossible situations. But I'm telling you that when you're up against a wall, I just want you to understand, God will make a way when there seems to be no way. I've shared in the other two services, I, I don't talk about a lot, but probably one of the most difficult walls we ever faced was when our son went through cancer. I had the privilege, I call it a privilege, of sitting with my son when we went in the doctor's office. And they told him that he had cancer. I mean, my jaw, I'm sure if it didn't drop open, but Ryan never flinched. If Ryan was worried or uptight, he never showed it, ever. We went back again, and the doctor said, well, it looks like stage two. And his particular kind of cancer, the highest stage was stage three, which we found out on the next visit that he had stage three. But he never blinked. He always appeared to be strong, and I tried to be strong for him. But I'm telling you, as a parent... I was mad at God. I was angry. I was disappointed. I, I, I used every verse I knew. Man, I beat it on the doors of heaven. The hardest thing I've ever been through in life was going with my son through his cancer treatments. But he was always strong. He never complained. He never said, why me? 
He's probably one of my greatest heroes in life, my son. But I want to tell you, even though God, and he was silent most of the time we went through that. I just want to tell you, I didn't have a revelation. I didn't have, I mean, I was, he was silent. And it's disappointing when God is silent when you need to hear from him. But he never left us. He never had forsaken us. And through that time, I never, ever experienced the grace of God any more than that. It was six months or so after he had got done with his cancer, and I remember him ringing the bell, what a joy that was, that I had my stroke, 85% blockage in the main artery in the right side of my brain. And I had just been through my son, through all of that, and I can honestly tell you with all of my heart, I had a complete peace. If God were taking me home, you know, when they were putting the stent up in my brain, they said, well, you got a 33% chance of dying. You got a 33% chance of having another stroke, or we have a 33% chance of it being successful. But you know, I, honestly, I had a peace because I had been with my son. I saw how he reacted. I knew that God was faithful. If God took me home, it was okay. No matter what happened, it was okay. I'm here to tell you when you're going through and you're pressed to the mat and you're up against a wall and have no way out, God will make a way. God will make a way. It wouldn't be the way I would choose. I'm just telling you. I, in the natural realm, I don't like to suffer. I don't like to talk about suffering. Third thing he says here, and as he's being squeezed and pursued, again, if we're filled with the Spirit, God's Spirit's going to come out. Third thing he says is we're persecuted. That word means pursued and hard-driven. He's being chased down. Again, I look at the football analogy. When I was in high school, I, I wasn't a football player, but we played tackle football one Saturday with all the football players. How many of you know, this is the honest truth, I did not ever want my name called. I never wanted to. Because we weren't playing two-hand touch, full contact, full tackle. And when they put you down, they, they want to put you down. They all want to jump on top. I never wanted my name called. Paul said, sometimes I feel like misery and despair are just chasing me down every day. How many of you feel like you're just in a situation where it just seems like always there's something chasing you down? He says, we're pursued and hard driven, yet we're not forsaken. But again, the need to be filled with the Spirit is so important because as life chases us down and squeezes us, either the flesh comes out or the Spirit. And too many times, man, as a Christian, I've let the flesh come out. I wish I could tell you that I'm always praising God under all circumstances, but I'm not. If I get in the flesh, can I just tell you Christians can be as mean as the devil? Even though they're saved on their way to heaven, if they're not full of the Spirit, I'm just telling you, it can get ugly at church. Preachers can get ugly. I just want to, I, I hang around preachers. We can get ugly. It's so important to be filled with the Spirit so that when we're broken, that which is on the inside that comes out is the life of God. So very, very important. The last thing he says here is we're struck down, which means knocked down, but not knocked out. There's not a person sitting here that hasn't been knocked to the mat. And even though Satan can knock us to the mat, he can never knock us out. And the more Satan pokes, prods, pursues, and persecutes, the more of the life of God came out of Paul. 
And again, as we're knocked to the mat, ideally we want to be full of the Spirit so that the Spirit of life can come out. For 2023, and all of a sudden, yeah, we want God to use us. We want to experience the power of God. Most likely that's going to come through suffering and through trials and through being squeezed and poked and pursued. I want to tell you, if we can see it from heaven's perspective... God has a big picture. You know, when Paul was thrown in jail, that looked like such a bad deal for Paul. But while he was in jail, he had time to write letters that has impacted us down through the years. God can take that which is meant to be evil and turn it around for good. Every detour of your life, God is sending you to somebody that needs Jesus. We had the privilege, we eat out of a restaurant over in Washington and there was a waitress there that had a tattoo on her arm with her name of her two kids. She's a single mom and God just put her on my heart. And she didn't say a whole lot. I felt like God told me one day, I want you to give her $100. And I didn't check with my wife ahead of time. I should have. Matter of fact, this is the first time she's hearing it. But anyway, other than, <laughs> that's why I don't like to carry a $100 bill. God may ask you to give away. But God just put her on my heart, and I just said, hey, I, I just, for some reason, I feel like I'm supposed to give you this. I appreciate you being a single mom. I appreciate you tattooing your kids on your arm. I know life isn't easy. And she thanked me, and then we were in there time or two later with Norm and Bob. I was in there, and she came up to me, and she said, can I, can I see you out back? I've got something for you. I'm glad they were with me because I didn't want to meet a, a lady down behind the restaurant. So I, I drove around back there, and she just got a card out of her car, and she gave it to me. And she said, You'll, again, you just never know how much I appreciate and what that meant to me. I'm just telling you, everywhere we go, we have a chance to bless people. And sometimes I even give a good tip when the service is bad. And Brenda, which is probably true, says, well, they didn't really do that good. But my first job was a curb boy at Steak and Shake. I always believe even if a waitress is bad, that maybe she just had a bad day and just needs to be blessed. I'm just telling you that everywhere we go, every detour we take, if we could just see it as God sending us somewhere to somebody that needs Jesus, it literally will change how we view the trials of life because God sees the big picture and we don't. So Paul goes on to say this there in that chapter, for we who live, that's us, we who live, I wish he would have said occasionally are delivered to death. I wish it would have said that. But he says, we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake. Why? That the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our mortal flesh. Man, life is tough. I quote Job quite often, by the way, when Job said, man's days are short and full of trouble. That's true. Life is not easy. I'd like to swap with some of you guys until I find out what you're going through, and then I'll, I'll be where I'm at. How many of you know there's not a person sitting here that has it all together? There's not a person sitting here that's not up against it. But God is up to something, getting that treasure on the inside to come out. 
So he goes on to say that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is working in us, but life in you. Isn't that cool? He said, the more I'm squeezed, poked, prodded, and pushed to the mat, the more death is working in us, and more I'm being broken and cracked, the more life is coming out. Satan, if he were smart, would have left Paul alone. I'm just here to tell you God's plan is to use those times to use and be a blessing to those around us. We use this when we talked about being filled with the Spirit because the truth is when you're squeezed, what's on the inside will come out. I mean, it's 100%. It's true physically and spiritually. And so if you're full of yourself, if you're full of the flesh, when life squeezes you, flesh is going to come out. In case you think I'm always spiritual, you can talk to my family. I've never heard more clearly from God than I hear when I'm in traffic. I hear the audible voice of God through my wife. I don't like to be squeezed. I don't like to be detoured. I don't like speed bumps. I don't like storms. But if we see it from heaven's perspective... And know that God wants to bless somebody through that. But if we're full of the Spirit, the Spirit's all full of the soul there. When we're squeezed, out will come the life of God. It's God's will to use all of his children. The same treasure that's in me is in you. If we were all lined up here, can I tell you, you have as much of God as I have. You have as much opportunity to bless and to minister life as I do. We all have that opportunity to allow the river to come out if we're allowed to be broken and just allow that spirit to come out. Paul ends this. He says, therefore, we do not lose heart, although I can see where he could lose heart. Even though the outward man is perishing, the inward man is being renewed day by day. Isn't that beautiful? I'm going to tell you, the Spirit of God will never run dry. The Spirit of God will never get old. So even though the outward man is perishing, the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, he talks about everything he went through. His light affliction, it's only for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. I just want you to know that everything you're going through is light affliction. And it's only for a moment. One day our spirit's going to step out of our earth suit and we're going to be free from these earth suits. But for a moment, he calls it a light affliction. But he says it's working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. The good that it's doing far outweighs the suffering. He goes on to say, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, the things which are not seen are eternal. It's important while you're going through suffering to keep your eyes on that which is eternal. I want you to do something for me real quick. Hold your hand in front of your face, everybody, where you can see me. I want you to look at me, focus on me, but you can see your hand in front of you. All right, if you're looking at me and focused on me, your hand is out of focus. All right, do a favor, look at your hand, and I want you to focus on your hand for just a minute. I should be out of focus. All right, look this way. You cannot focus on two things at the same time. If your eyes are on the things of this world, you're going to be stressed out. But if we keep our eyes on the things of God, I just want to tell you, it's not easy 
What I'm telling you is not easy. Some of y'all probably would have chose to not be here today if you knew what I was preaching about. I hope he preaches on the mountaintop today. I need it. I need it too. I'm just telling you, life is tough. But if we could understand the purpose that God is trying to release the Spirit, it would encourage us as we're going through those times. You know, Paul went through a lot in his life when he lists all of it here in 2 Corinthians 11. I mean, that guy suffered. I mean, you talk about suffering, Paul suffered. I mean, all this stuff he listed. How many of you like to hang around with Paul a couple weeks? No. I'm taking a couple weeks and going to Florida, suffering for Jesus down on the beach. But I mean, you look at all that he suffered. I mean, it wasn't easy. It was hard. Listen to what he went on to say here in 2 Corinthians 11. He said, if I'm going to boast, I'm going to boast in the things which concern my weakness. Are you kidding me? Are you really serious that you're going to boast in all the stuff you're going through in the flesh? How could you boast about that? He goes on to say, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is blessed forever, knows that I am not lying. He came to discover that when he is weak, that he is strong. He came to discover that when he suffered and allowed the Spirit to eke out of his life, the, the glory of God was manifested. We all, a familiar verse, he had a thorn in the flesh, whatever it was. I've heard people say, what it, I'm not sure what it was. It was something that was uncomfortable, and he wanted to get rid of it. And he sought the Lord three times. And by the way, I kind of use this format. I pray for healing. I believe in healing. I'm going to anoint with all. I'm going to pray for healing over and over and over until God says there's a purpose. So he prayed until God said to him this. My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I would rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. He says, I want the power of God to rest on me. And the only way to do that is through brokenness. He went on to say this. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distress for Christ's sake. For when I am weak then I am strong. I want to tell you, I've spent most of my life avoiding suffering. I'm just being honest. I don't pray every day, God, let me suffer. Let me be knocked down. Let me be pursued. I'm always trying to avoid that. But every day is tough. I want to end with this story. It's probably one of my all-time favorite stories. I shared, the first time I shared it was I was pastoring Gerald. I was a young pastor, and we had a community service, and it's about a tongue-tied Nazarene preacher by the name of Uncle Bud. And I said, I got up that day, and I just said, you know, without thinking, I said, I'd rather be a tongue-tied Nazarene preacher full of God than a Baptist half dead. All the, all the Assembly of God people said, amen. The Baptists said nothing. They said nothing. But anyway, heard this story. Supposed to be a true story. I think it was in San Francisco. Uncle Bud was crossing the street, and he, he dodged one car, didn't see another car, and he got hit by a car and literally was broken to pieces. And as he was li lying there, literally all broken up, a lady came over and says, oh my gosh, they've killed him, they've killed him. And Uncle Bud was laying there, and he said, when you're lying there, you don't want somebody thinking, he dead, he dead. He squeaked open his eyes and said, I'm alive. And so they took Uncle Bud to the emergency room, and when they got there, several doctors looked at him and said, he's not going to make it. There's no way he's going to make it. 
But young, one young atheist doctor came in, and back then, I don't know when this was, but Uncle Bud said that the young atheist doctor was smoking a cigarette and blowing it in his face. And Uncle Bud said, I'd rather a man drink than smoke. They can't blow it in your face. But anyway, the young doctor looked at him. He was an atheist doctor. He said, I'll tell you what, I'll take your case, but I don't want anything to do with your religion. Uncle Bud looked up and said, I'll, I'll take care of the religion. You do the doctrine. And from that point, that young doctor began to work with Uncle Bud and really put him through every kind of pain you can imagine. Every time he set a bone, Uncle Bud would go, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Finally, that doctor said, man, can't you grunt, groan, complain, or cuss? Can't you do something other than praise God? He said, I'd rather praise God than grunt. I mean, he put him through every kind of pain you can imagine. And Uncle Bud always gave glory to God. And one day he had a, he had a sore spot. He had an infection in his arm. And the doctor peeled back the bandage and said, Uncle Bud, we're going to have to take your arm off. Uncle Bud said, you're crazy. He said, God just told me I'm going to be healed. I believe I'm going to be You're crazy. He said, Uncle Bud, we can wait a few days. But if that, if that infection persists, we're going to have to take your arm off. So he comes in a few days later, peels the bandage back. And it was healing up. The, the young atheist doctor got so excited, he ran to the foot of the bed and said, praise God. Uncle Bud said, you stop that. He said, I'll do the religion. You do the doctrine. <laughs> and man, they worked with Uncle Bud for probably eight or ten weeks or so. And finally, he was well enough to go home. And you know how the, the routine goes. They put him in a wheelchair. They were wheeling him down the corridor of the hospital to the entrance of the hospital. And as they were... Wheeling him out, Uncle Bud said he heard behind him a voice saying, Uncle Bud, Uncle Bud, wait a minute. And he looked behind him, and here was this young atheist doctor literally running down the hall. He got to where Uncle Bud was, and he looked down at Uncle Bud in the wheelchair, and he said, Uncle Bud, do you love me? And Uncle Bud looked up and said, Son, I, I love you with all my heart. Five times he asked Uncle Bud, do you love me? Finally, Uncle Bud said, Son, what, what is it that you really want? He said, Uncle Bud... I want to be a Christian. And there in the entrance of the hospital, this atheist doctor knelt down and received Christ. And Uncle Bud said, I had a shouting spell all the way home that God would use little old me to allow his spirit to come out and for this man to get saved. You know, I wonder how many people are watching us. How many people God is leading us to that just need Jesus. I want God to use us. But again, most likely it's not going to be going up on the mountaintop. It's going to be going through the struggles, the day-to-day -day grind, being poked, prodded, knocked to the mat. But may God use us in a supernatural way. What is the potential of one apple seed? It's limitless. I want to tell you with all of my heart, there is no limit to what you can do for the kingdom of God if you're willing to be broken. And allow his spirit to come out. Let's pray together. Everybody look this way. You don't have to look down right now. Or don't have to bow your head. Close your eyes. Keep your eyes open. Heads up. I just want to pray for you guys. I wonder how many here would say. I'm really just up against it. I'm literally being pursued on every side. I feel like it's one thing right after another after another. I just want somebody to pray for me. 
How many of you here would just say, I, 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 I could really use some prayer? Just raise your hand. You don't have to say what it is. You don't have to come forward. I just want you guys to look around. And by the way, those that don't have their hand up will tomorrow. There's not a person sitting here that's exempt. As Paul says, we all who live are daily put to death. If we could have God open our eyes to see the purpose of suffering, I wonder how many Uncle Buds would be here that God could use in a time of suffering that people could watch us and know there's something different about us. I think about Bob right here on the front, and I, I, this guy, they've been through a lot. More than your fair share, in my opinion. They've had it coming for a while. This guy posts all positive things about God. I believe you minister life, buddy, and I, I appreciate it. And I'm not saying you're perfect, because I could talk to her and find out some ways you're not. But I wonder what would happen if we would just be willing to let God use us. Only God knows what we could accomplish this year for his kingdom. Can we just take a minute? I just want to pray for everybody. Father, I love my church family. And I know there's not a person sitting here that's not being poked, prodded, pressed, and knocked to the mat every day. Father, help us to see from a heavenly perspective. Help us to, to truly get to a point that say we want to boast in our infirmities that the power of Christ would rest on us. Father, I just speak peace and blessing to those who raise their hand. God, whatever their need is, I just pray that you would meet that need. I'm not asking you to get us out of a situation, but God, in the middle of it, I just pray that we could experience your spirit. Father, love on each of your children that's here today. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're here this morning and you're not 100% sure that you know Christ, I just want to say, I can't imagine living one day just doing the best I can. I can't imagine going through life without God. If you feel a nudge in your heart, I just want to encourage you to realize that Jesus loved you so much that he died on the cross for you. The Bible says he took our sin and his body on that tree, that he died for our sins according to Scripture, was buried, and he rose again the third day according to Scripture. I still get the opportunity to do a lot of funerals, a lot of them for people who don't go to church at all. I always at the end, I always give a little gospel presentation at the end. I say, I know if so-and-so could come back. And I don't know if the person went to heaven or if they didn't. I don't say they made it. I didn't say, I'd never say they wouldn't. But I can say if they would come back, they would just want you to know that God loves you so much. He loves you so much that he sent his son to die for you so that you could spend an eternity with him. I never want those people to leave without knowing that God loves them. Even though they're there for the funeral, I have a captive audience. I want them to all know how much God loved them. I love you guys. If you pray to receive Christ, I hope you'll Tell somebody before you leave, find me in the back.
I'm going to ask Norm to come up. I did this in the second service. If I could borrow somebody's mic. And Norm, you'll give this back to Amanda right there. It's an honor to serve with Norm. Josh, you and Bob, come on down too, man. I'd ask David to come down. He's on crutches. So he's going to be in the back. I just want to tell you what a privilege it is for me to serve with our staff, with our deacons. We have an incredible group of folks. These are some of the best communicators on the planet. I said in the middle service, I feel like a Volkswagen in an Indianapolis 500, man, when it comes to communication. I love these guys. I appreciate their heart. And I, I just want us to see God do what only God can do this year. I really do. So anyway, I appreciate Norm. I had him pray in the middle service. I'm going to ask Josh to pray in this service, just to pray for our church family, just to pray that we would be usable by God. And then we're going to close with a song. I appreciate our worship team. Uh, David messed up his knee. If you've seen David hobbling around, him and uh, Michelle both are on crutches or canes. So whatever it is, I hope we don't catch it. All right. But anyway. I appreciate David. I got here at a little before seven this morning. There was two cars here. One was uh, Gary Presley making coffee. He gets here before seven o'clock to start making coffee. The other one was this guy. I come in the sanctuary and he's hobbling around trying to get everything turned on for you guys. That's the heart of, of David back there. And I sat and I watched him for a while. No, I did. I, I'm, I'm lying to you there. I did go up. He told me how to turn the lights on, but he couldn't even go up the stairs. But I appreciate this guy. This is a, I just love this church family. I really do. No place I'd rather be. I'm looking forward to seeing what God's going to do in 2023. I really am. I love these guys. It's an honor to serve with them and, and all of our church family. So I'm going to ask Josh to pray for our church family. And then our praise team is going to close us out. Thank you all so much. So the mic goes back to Amanda there. All right, if we'd all bow our heads. Heavenly Father, Lord, I love you. And I want to thank you, Lord, for allowing us to be in such a great church, Lord. And Lord, I want to ask you to be with all of these people, Lord. Keep us humble, Lord. Keep us teachable, Lord. And Lord, I thank you for being a God that uses us not because we're good, but because you're good, Lord. And you can use us for your glory no matter what state we're in, Lord. You used Pharaoh, and you can use us. Help us to be teachable. Help us to seek your face, your knowledge, Lord, the wisdom that comes from that, Lord. And Lord, we just ask you to be with us, Lord. Please hedge us about, Lord, so that we can stay close to you, Lord, curled up in your lap, Lord. And we just ask you to protect all of us. Please help us to see people, Lord, as Jesus did, Lord, as not what they are, Lord, but what they can be through you, Lord. And we just want to ask you, Lord, to please anoint us for that, Lord. Please prepare us now for the people we're going to come in contact with, Lord. And please give us your wisdom, Lord. Thank you for all you do in advance. In Jesus' holy name I pray. Amen.